Bass Edge Radio. Commence broadcast in three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing coming to you nationwide from the Bass Edge Studios. Welcome back, Bass Heads, for another episode of Bass Edge Radio. That's right, Aaron. Bass Edge Nation feeling strong here December 1st, 2017. No doubt. And uh, remember, it's that time of year, right? Everybody's starting to get up uh, Christmas decorations, hang the stockings, of course, except for Kurt, take a little vacation. But remember, keep in mind, although they're a little big, depending on how big your stocking is, MegaWare Keelguard, proud partners of Bass Edge Radio since the inception. Be sure to check out the Skeg Guard, the Flex Step, and of course, the first do-it-yourself keel protector with that 3M adhesive put on the protection the pros pick. Visit them at keelguard.com. Kurt, I understand you had the coconuts, you know, attached together over your chest. <laughs> hula skirt, you know. Straw skirt. Straw, straw, hula skirt. Uh, straw hula skirt, right. Did you win the competition over there during your 15-year anniversary vacation? Fortunately, I did not compete. I took a step back and just watched the festivities. What a fabulous time. Beautiful place. Hawaii. You know, when you make it 15 years or I maybe maybe when when your wife makes it 15 years with you, you I was going to say that's 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 more accurate. That's more accurate. <laughs> you got to do something really special. So uh, we did, man. We had an awesome trip. It was a fantastic time. You know, Thanksgiving time frame is always a little odd for us. When you're an angler and you're obsessed with it, like I've been for my entire life, and really just balls to the wall since 2005. Quite frankly, you know, that's when I quit my job and I took the jump off the bridge and just did this fishing thing. For for a living. But uh, anyway, everything that you do is surrounded by the sport and the timing of the sport. So when did I get married? I got married in the late fall because nothing's going on. It's kind of <laughs> off and everything. So um, that's kind of always our little Thanksgiving thing. You know, we do the family thing most years, obviously, but uh, that's when we got married. So we usually do a special trip and this year was very special. So uh, had an awesome time, man. It was great. I have to post some pics on the uh, Facebook in the Insta. So we'll throw some Hawaiian tropics out there for all you freezing bass heads. Yeah, no doubt. I can't wait to see those. Just uh, keep them PG, at least okay. on, on your photos, at least. <laughs> so. Hey, I, I got to ask, brother. I'm heartfelt on your situation, I should say. You know, are you fully recovered? And can you explain to Bass Edge Nation what went down? We have a butt problem. <laughs> oh, here we go. Well, I'll tell you what went down. It was my butt all the way down about 10 feet. So long story short, right, new house, have not hung uh, Christmas lights for a couple years. So uh, my goal was to get, uh, once we got into the new house, have a company do that. Now, mind you, right, okay, I'm not some city boy that has uh, no experience on a ladder. Remember, that's how I put myself through college, was working construction. Growing up on a farm, my dad had a masonry company, so I spent many a years climbing up and down a ladder. However, I would not suggest doing that when you're aggravated or ticked off. So uh, weather was nice, right? Uh, <laughs> which we get those occasionally in Missouri this time of year. Wanted to get some Christmas lights hung up for the girls. Now, mind you, I have a flat roof, so it's not the roof problem, but uh, put receptacles under the soffit around our house so that all I have to do is reach over, under rather, and plug in those lights. However, one of the receptacles was in the wrong place, so I had to get on a different terrace of the roof. Set my extension ladder, aluminum, mind you, which will be key for what I'm about to say, 
on my deck, which is a composite decking. Again, very key point because it's a very slick service. And uh, right as I was about ready to step off the ladder onto the roof, about 10 feet up, uh, the legs kicked out from under the ladder. I go flying down, grab the gutter that managed to kind of break my fall for a couple seconds, go as I'm sitting up in the upright position, and land on the rails of the extension ladder and uh, basically break my sacrum, which is the main bone on your butt that holds your pelvis together so i got that to take sounds sacred. that <laughs> yeah. sounds like sacred yeah sacred. It, it was uh yeah trust me i was in a lot of pain so i got to take a little uh, ambulance ride but very very thankful because it could have been a lot worse you know you hear guys talking about falling out of tree stands and and all that type of stuff moral of the story is do not do anything out of haste or when you're aggravated because bad things happen that's what i will tell you yeah dude i mean people don't know maybe well they know you know, Aaron is the backbone of the show, and uh, if we lose Aaron, we, we're in a tight spot. So uh, everybody pray for his full recovery, and um, you got one of those, like, little donuts that you sit on? And stuff? You know, I don't. I refuse to get one because my phone has lit up, and you can only imagine all the jokes, and, you know, everybody says I'm a major pain in the butt anyway. But I did not know. One thing I will tell you, and this is probably getting a little too much information, I did not know you could bruise that bad on your butt. I will tell you that. That's not good. You have to spend some more time over these cold winter months standing in the bass boat to alleviate the sitting position. So That's right. That's right. Well, Hey, it's been an interesting start to December, obviously, here at Bass Edge, and we got to get into some fishing, right? I mean, that's why we're here, so let's do that. We're going to get a sweet little tackle tip right here from our friends at protecttheharvest.com. Listen up, folks. Bass Edge Radio is going to get good. We're going to talk fishing. This episode's ProtectTheHarvest.com Tackle Tip with Josh Douglas. My tackle tip would be to get yourself a .1 puck with Lowrance. I do a lot of electronics training for uh, eager anglers that are looking to get more out of their electronics. And I can't tell you how versatile it is, the .1, how, how nice it is to have that on your boat. It has an internal compass on it, so I always know where I am on the water. I used to carry buoys around, little hand buoys everywhere, and chuck them out to cold spots. I can't tell you the last time I've had to do that anymore with the .1 one puck and some things i see people put them in different places my favorite place to put them is right behind my seat right where i'm driving at and that's because i want it in the middle of my boat wherever i can be figuring i got 20 feet you know they're pretty accurate they're never going to let you get extremely accurate but they're pretty accurate so if i put it in the middle of the boat i'm only 10 feet away from my target as opposed to at worst case scenario 20 feet away from my target the point one puck like i said it saves time it saves errant cast and for the value you get out of that thing it's worth every penny Great tip. Thanks, Josh. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. 
Nitro Performance Fishing Boats is now the official boat of Bass Edge Radio. Be sure to check out the Nitro Z-Series Performance Fishing Boats. The 2017 lineup features five boats ranging from 17.4 up to 21 foot 2 inches. Two new models for 2017 include the Nitro Z-17, our entry-level bass boat at 17 foot 4 inches and rated for 115 horsepower. The flagship of the Nitro lineup, the Nitro Z-21 at 21.2 in length. Its performance and fishability is unmatched. Designed with input from top elite pros like KVD, Edwin Evers, Rick Klun, and Ott Defoe. Nitro Performance Fishing Boats. Champions aren't born, they're made. Aaron, exciting news on the Bass Edge availability front. We have been growing and growing, and we have grown into a new media platform, haven't we? We absolutely have, and I will uh, stick within the intelligence that I am capable of delivering on this. But for all the Android <laughs> users, historically, everything's been available of Bass Edge Radio on iTunes, which is uh, certainly supported by the iPhone, through web browsers, through our website. Uh, certainly, a lot of our partners out there offer it on their websites as well. But now, happy to announce, been a long time coming, available on Google Play Music. So uh, every episode, actually, it's not just uh, starting moving forward, but every single episode of Bass Edge Radio is now available on Google Play Music. So um, very exciting stuff, kind of reaching that other user, I guess. It's kind of like the AFC, NFC, you know, American League, uh, National League, I guess. Google Play and iTunes, so the big battle. Well, it is is good to be able to reach out to all the listeners and, you know, in in different ways. And, And I think it's also just part of the growth, right? I mean, just uh, keeping the brand out there and, and keeping everybody in touch with Bass Edge Radio. And talking about keeping in touch, Bass Blaster, always keeping in touch with us via email. Big shout out, as we do here and there, with uh, Jay Kumar. Love the info he delivers at Bass Blaster. Be sure you sign up. It's going to help you get through cabin fever over the next several months. You can sign up for the Blaster by sending an email to Jay BassGold at BassBlaster.com. Make sure you shoot that out to uh, Jay Kumar. Get a piece of that. And you can look it up online now as well. But uh, I want to throw out a piece that Jay shared with us last month, actually. It seems like techniques move from west to east in the bass fishing world, right? Maybe sometimes from Japan to California, then California to the east coast. And uh, we have finally imported a technique from basically the east coast to the west coast and then over to Japan. And that's the A-Rig. And I mentioned the A-Rig, one, because it's that time of year, folks. Water temps are cooling down. The A-Rig is a great way to get out there and really just enjoy some fishing in the cold weather months. One tip I want to give is when you go A-Rig fishing, just pull out the A-Rig rod. Put it on one side of the boat. That way you don't get it tangled up everywhere. If you get one or two rods maybe, you know, in the other side of the rod holder compartment, you know, then that's fine. But uh, get out there, throw the A-Rig, enjoy catching some fish make sure you weight your rig based on the water depth that you're seeing the bait that's the biggest key i can give you with a rig fishing and uh again big shout out to jay kumar and the bass blaster for reminding all of us about a rig time of year and importing from east to west instead of west to east 
Very interesting there. And one thing quickly, Kurt, I want to address because, you know, I've been talking to some guys that throw the A-Rig quite a bit. And if you remember going way back a couple years ago, several episodes obviously ago, we didn't have enough information out yet on the A-Rig, right? Back then it was like you could just go down the bank with the A-Rig and, you know, you're loading the boat. And I was the benefactor of that on a couple times. But now, you know, I'm hearing a lot of guys say it's not as easy as what it used to be, that the fish have somewhat became conditioned to that. Are you... Kind of on that school of thought, or have you experienced that yourself? I'm not a big A-rig thrower, quite honestly. I throw it a little bit, but I believe conditioning of fish happens regularly. And it's probably one of the most amazing things I think that occurs. I mean, let's face it, right? A fish is born and in two, three, four years, it's like a two and a half, three pounder. How is that fish conditioned to something it has never seen and as it's growing up? But I think it actually happens. Um, I've seen it in uh, show tanks. You know, you go to a fishing show, you know, you're doing some demonstrations on top of the show tank and you're throwing, let's say, a, a lizard, right? And you're, and you're kind of throwing a Texas rig lizard. And the first couple casts, man, the fish are all over it, dude. I mean, they're, it's like you're going to jack them. You know, you could catch a fish on every cast. After about 10 casts, they just lose interest. But if you throw a different style of bait, boom, their interest becomes, you know, reoccurring. So there's definitely some conditions. I believe the A-Rig has seen some conditioning on lakes. It's not the magic bait it was once. Um, I think you got to fish it a little more strategically rather than just firing it out and reeling it in. You've got to be on the right bait. You've got to be on the right structure. You've got to be in the areas where the fish are really congregated and really look at it strategically rather than just hucking the A-Rig around, which I think you could have a lot of success on four or five or six years ago. Not so much. So I believe there is conditioning. Good tip there. And speaking of tips, hey, guess what? We've got our next Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight Angler on the phone. Stay tuned. Let's dive off into it. This is pro angler Rick Morris. I am professional angler Brandon Lester. This is BASF elite angler Boyd Duckett. This is FLW Tour Pro Josh Douglas. This is Mike McClellan, and you're tuned in to Bassage Radio with Aaron and Kurt. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. Excited to dive into this Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. You know, I see this angler at FLW Tour events and often exchange hellos, but have never had a chance to get to know him as well as I'd like. Super glad I get to today. 2018 Forest Wood Cup qualifier and FLW Tour Pro, Todd Hollowell. Awesome to have you on the show, Todd. Kurt, appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me on. I've been, uh, been a fan of this show for many, many years, but uh, you and I seem to cross paths at weigh-ins and takeoffs. You're always smiling. I appreciate that about you. And when you're a positive person, you get drawn to other positive people. But I'm glad to be on the show. Honored. Thanks for having me. Awesome, man. Excited for it. Yeah, well, certainly, Todd, we definitely appreciate, like Kurt said, you spending time with us here on Bass Edge Radio. But I couldn't help pick up on Kurt's intro that you've already qualified for the 2018 Forcewood Cup. What a great way to start out 2018. And correct me if I'm wrong here, but you accomplished that 
that with a second place finish at the Costa Championship a few weeks back. And so, you know, I think congrats are in order and what a great way to start off 2018. It's amazing. You know, I'm going in my, I guess, seventh year on tour and I made the cup right out of the gate my rookie season 2012. And I'm thinking, hey, this sport's easy. I'm going to be so good. You know, I'm going to win Angler of the Year next year and just tear this thing up. Wow. I mean, it's been a long five years. I realized how little I knew that year, but I've learned so much over the course of those five years. Uh, I'm super thankful to enter the 2018 season. Uh, my seventh year on tour, already qualified for the Cup. You know, it's kind of a surreal moment. I had to take some time and just kind of soak that in because the implications of that are large. It's large for sponsorships. It's large for just your mentality going into next year and more than anything, hey, it's a great bonus that I already know we're getting next year. So for financial reasons, it's everything's a positive from it. You know, I, I'm really thankful. And that championship was on Kentucky Lake. And anytime I see that on a like a championship situation in the fall, I'm always interested. If we can find a way to make it work, we fish it. There were plenty of times this year where I was driving back from Missouri or Oklahoma or something like that, and I'm thinking, why in the world am I doing this? This is crazy. But that was the end goal, was to try to make the Cup for the championship. It happened, and it's awesome. Well, you brought up about, you know, it's good for sponsorship, and I'm curious, you know, Red Gold Tomatoes is one of your, obviously, your marquee sponsors. Now that you qualified for the Cup, do you get a recipe named after you? Are we going to see your face on kind of like, you know, the side <laughs> of the can? Uh, how does that work, Doc? Yeah, let me tell you, the Red Gold Tomatoes are in such a demand, they don't have time to mess with me and figure out how to make tomatoes <laughs> work with uh, with sushi. But, hey, I, I'm already on this. I'm like, well, let's make some tomato-flavored rods. You know, let's make some bright red fishing rods. And let's make some tomato-flavored lures. You know, so we're already thinking in that direction. But they're so busy. They're the nation's largest privately-owned tomato processor. They just finished up their 75th harvest. Their last uh, couple weeks, Pat finished up here in central Indiana. So they're busy. They're shipping tomatoes out all over the country. That is amazing. I was thinking now the good mojo is rolling on the red gold fishing front. Maybe 2018 harvest will be the biggest year ever. I think that's in the works here. So I'm excited for it. And man, it's awesome to have a partner like that. I know you've been partnered with them for several years now. And that's an awesome deal. You look at the pictures from the Costa Championship and you see the red gold boat that you obviously captaining out there on Kentucky lake running all over the place you know that event was in early november and really the lake had moved into a strong fall behavioral pattern for the bass can you help bass edge nation just kind of break down the patterns that you saw during the tournament to help the listeners that may have had some tough fishing this past fall so they can maybe put something a little bit together maybe you know tweak a few things for 2018's fall season and heck you know us folks way down here in south we can still use some of these tips because fall is just right in the midst of it here. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've had a lot of success fishing in the fall over the last 10 or 15 years, and I get asked this question a lot, why? And what do you understand that other people don't? And and I'm not sure that I know the answer to that. I know I take a little time off in the summer, and I come back not burn out come October, and I'm fresh, and I've worked out for 90 days, and I feel good, and I'm mentally good. But when it comes to fishing, I, I think the fish have been beat on all year. You know, we typically start tournaments up here where I live in February or March. And so you're talking six or seven months of steady fishing pressure. They've seen every bait that you have. You know, all the key places get pressured a lot. So it gets tricky. When I was at Kentucky Lake, the conditions were a little bit different than I've ever seen them. I've never been there and fished a 
the tournament in November. I fished a lot in October, but not in November. The lake was a little lower. It was maybe a foot lower than I'm used to seeing it. So some of the shallow places that I had been used to looking at were out of the water, honestly. But I know that in fall fishing, there's always a group of fish that are super shallow, and then there are still a group of fish that have moved deep. And I realized real quick that the talk around Kentucky Lake was going to be top water. I was going to be all the shallow water fishing. And I knew that if I could tap into the deeper fish, that I would have a chance to win this event. I invested a lot of time in it, practice. I had four days of practice, and I probably spent three days looking at my Lawrence units. And I found three places that had deep fish on them. But those three places, I was able to catch a few fish each day off of those places, and it was the difference in finishing probably in 30th place and finishing in second. So I had a, had a combination of deep and shallow, and I think that's a, a lot of times what happens in the fall. Guys run out of bites. They can't catch five fish. And so many are just seen in the fall. It's not, it doesn't have to be pretty. Um, they don't care how you catch them. I like junk fishing. It doesn't have to make sense. You just have to figure out how to catch five. And I just learned over the years that if you can mix those two things together, you become much more consistent in the fall. Yeah, you know, you look at fall and you think a lot about junk fishing because it's so often, you know, one here, one there and having to cover a lot of water. You know, a great strategy to have some pinpointed spots where you knew you could cast to a couple areas and have a very, very, very high percentage of bites to fill those or begin those limit fish because it is in the fall also important. You know, we saw some big weights. Brian Thrift came out of the gate with, what, 27 in chain and was winning by about seven pounds. But then you saw what happened, although he still had a top 10, I believe, you know, his bite dwindled dramatically. That is the essence of fall fishing. I think a lot of anglers think that you go out there in the fall and you just start jacking them. And in the fall, they just aren't ganged up. There's so much transition. As Todd said, you know, you've got the deep fish and the shallow fish and you've really got to move around. But having a couple of those deep fish, man, you really struck it gold, (laughs) if I might say. It was huge, man. I'm telling you, I caught a couple of big ones shallow every day. And it just so happened that we had a long fall delay the last day. And of course, everybody had to deal with it. But I never caught a deep fish on, on day three. And I felt like if my deep fish fire, I was going to win the event. And it didn't happen. But I could catch one or two good ones up shallow. But that wasn't enough, you know. And, and I recognized that real quick in practice. And that's why I kind of focus on the deep stuff. But it doesn't, you know, in your lake, it doesn't have to be deep and shallow. I mean, some places, especially here in the Midwest, it's all shallow. So there may be one predominant dominant pattern where you're fishing lily pads in the fall, but don't be afraid to check the bridges. Don't be afraid to check the docks. Don't be afraid to throw out the laydowns. It doesn't have to make sense. The fish are so spread out. That's why they call it junk fishing. you got to go into it with an open mind and just fish everything. And at the end of the day, try to scrape together five fish. And you can do that in the fall two or three days in a row. You make the finals or you make the championship, you make the All-American, whatever tournament series you're fishing, you've got a chance to win. Well, Todd, you know, perhaps you've already answered this question, but I understand you spend a lot of time on Kentucky Lake. And as anglers, you you often hear when we're familiar with a body of water and there comes a big tournament or a big championship or when there's something on the line, right? Somehow we lose sight of or we forget or get nervous. I, I don't know what it is, but a lot of guys do not do well on bodies of water in which they have a lot of time and experience on. Can you maybe dive off into what are some of those adjustments 
you know, that you make for competing on a body of water in which you have, you know, a lot of familiarity? Yeah, and, and it's a great question. I mean, I went so I went to school at Murray State in Murray, Kentucky, about 15 miles from Paris Landing, and uh, I played baseball there. And I was fortunate enough to work my way into a conference starter position. So during the week, when the team would travel and go play midweek games, I didn't have to go. So I got my workout in, and I went to Paris Landing and fished off the bank and caught fish off all the most released fish down there in Marina. We got in behind the docks and caught them. And so I've got a lot of history in Kentucky Lake. My dad bought a house there when I was in college, and we started crappie fishing. I started bass fishing in the early 2000s. You're right. I've got 15, 20 years worth of history on this lake. Fished a lot of tournaments there all times of the year, and it's a struggle. Every time I go, this time I battle it because you have so much history, and sometimes history isn't good. So what I've learned, and, and the best tip that I can give your Bass Edge viewers, is when you're fishing a tournament on your home lake, you know, this home lake curse, that topic gets thrown around a lot, and I think it's just simply because we can have a tendency to get stuck in the past. And so if we're stuck in the past mentally, we may miss what's going on right now in the present. And so I've learned over the course of many years of living this life and just learning by mistakes, it's so important to ask the right questions, not just in fishing, but in life. And so I'm learning when I go back to these places I'm really familiar that the real question to ask is, what are the fish doing? Let's not talk about what happened in the past. Let's not talk about the tournament we won over there or the school of fish that was over there one summer. The real question is, what are the fish doing right now? So the best way that I've tried to control that is to go fish unfamiliar water. And invariably, every tournament that I've had success on in Kentucky Lake over the last five, six years at the tour level, I fished in an area that I was not familiar with prior to that event. I've learned something new. I figured out there was this group of fish somewhere in the part of the lake that I wasn't familiar with, so I had no history. Every time I've done well, it's been in an unfamiliar place. This time was no different. I fished in an area of the lake that I've never fished in the fall. And uh, it just so happened, you know, I had an open mind, and I figured out what the fish were doing in that part of the lake, and nobody else figured it out. And I had the whole area to myself. So the keys are keep an open mind, ask the right questions. What are the fish doing? Forget about what happened in the past and force yourself to go to an area that you're not familiar with to learn what the fish are doing. Then once you figure out what the fish are doing, then you can run some of that old stuff. If you figure out they're on the wood, you know where there's a bunch of wood. If you figure out they're on docks, you already know where there's a bunch of docks. Todd, man, that is such good advice. I mean, I've actually noticed some of the same things out here at Lake Amistad. You know, you start guiding and guiding and guiding, and I've been here now for, uh, gosh, I think it's been nine years. Holy cow. Anyway, anyway, so you get to know the lake so much, and, and you're exactly right. I think the winning fish can be found in most any parts of the lake, you know, that we know have a high population of bass, and it's not always spot-specific, but I think so many times we get in that rut that we just keep trying those waypoints. Uh, waypoint five. 586 was so good or, you know, or waypoint three or whatever it is and keeping that open mind and fishing a new area of the lake. I think that was a really key uh, moment there that you had in that response. So uh, thanks for that. You know, fishing in general is beginning to get a little difficult 
right now in your part of the country. You're from Indianapolis, just north of Indianapolis, Fishers, Indiana, right? That's right. Yep. I'm, I'm in a big suburb here on the northeast side of Indianapolis. And what's interesting is we have a couple of really good fisheries within 15 or 20 minutes of our house. And I feel like maybe the best fishery in Indiana is about two miles from my house called Geist Reservoir. And, you know, Jacob Wheeler grew up here. Bill McDonald's from here. Right. Uh, there's several really good anglers from this area, but these are the lakes we cut our teeth on. But they fish pretty well in, in the late fall and early winter. You kind of have to change what you're doing, and, and we're going to talk about that, I know. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to hear about that. I saw when when I, I'm always doing my research, so I saw that Geist was, was near your hometown there in Fishers, and geez, man, it's got to get cold there time january february so you probably got to get your fishing in probably this december time frame is your last chance to really get out there a whole lot i'm assuming there's a pretty hard freeze going on over there but what are you looking to do to target bass this time of year you know december around your region or lakes that you might visit this time of the year it's really about well you can't really be in love with deer hunting in the woods right and so I've learned over the years to kind of go all in on fishing and kind of let go of the deer hunt thing. But it's really just about dressing correctly and going prepared mentally and, and physically both. But, you know, I, I've got some awesome storm with you. keeps me warm. I don't care how cold it is. I, I, I'm going. But I'll just awesome. all the way up till, uh, I don't know, maybe the week before Christmas. And then, and then I kind of make the uh, holidays about family. But here, sometimes we can fish around and then sometimes we start to get a freeze around Christmas that'll last for February. So my right. advice there, but you know, like fish as long as you can and learn how to catch them in those months. And then you can look into some other options when it freezes over, which we'll talk about later. But what I typically do here, we don't get a lot of rain late fall, early winter, the precipitation levels are way down. If we get anything, it's snow. And uh, so our lakes typically clear up. There's not hardly any boat traffic, you know, busting waves up and sediment and that kind of thing. So our lakes typically clear up and they get cold. And so our fish, our bait fish, they typically move to the vertical banks. They move towards the big holes. You know, I fish geist a lot. The water company has dredged out some of the rock in certain areas. And so there's some deep holes. And and a lot of times those fish will just congregate and hang around those holes. So I typically focus on the deeper area of the lake, the deeper banks, the deeper holes. I use my lance a lot. I mean, if you're not sure what to do, just idle. Brian, I heard Brian Thrift say that a few years ago. It made total sense to me. But if you're not sure what to do, just idle. And a lot of times, late fall, early winter, the whole food chain kind of comes together. So if you can idle around with those Laurentians and you can find a bunch of fish, that's where you want to start fishing. That's where you want to start your search. And uh, I'm a jerkbait guy. Love it. It's hard for me to put it down. And, and I know that when they're on it, I may have one of the best days of the year because you catch a lot of big fish on it this time of year. But I'll, I'll typically just go with the jerkbait and a jig. And um, I'm trying to figure out if they're relating to bait. I'm trying to figure out if they're relating to crawdads. And it's as simple as that. And here, usually when we have sun, they'll relate to the bait because they can see real good in this clear water. And when it's dark, when it's cloudy and maybe raining or snowing, something like that, they'll typically move towards the bottom and you can get bit on a jig a little better. Nice, nice. Good stuff. I love jerk baiting and I love jigging. I'm going to make a visit, dude. <laughs> well, hey, let's take a short break, but hang close. Bass Edge Radio will return after these quick messages. Oh, oh, oh. 
Eventually, it's going to happen. You'll turn the key and your engine won't start. Don't lose your ability to get around. Visit O'Reilly Auto Parts for a super start battery. Whether it's a reliable economy, hardworking premium, or powerful extreme, you'll find it at an everyday low price. Don't let a dead battery slow you down. Visit O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Passage Radio, presented in part by Lawrence Electronics, returns with FLW Pro Todd Hollowell in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil high-performance marine products, from real oils to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturers' requirements. Visit them at lucasoil.com. It works. Todd, jumping right back into some winter fishing tactics. You know, you talked about the jig and the jerk bait you like to use when you see those water temps, you know, start to fall. Is there any changes you make when that water temp gets really down? You know, low 50s, high 40s, bass begin to move a lot less due to those colder water temps. Do you get into any kind of vertical stuff or maybe even go back and talk a little bit more about, you know, some details of those techniques you mentioned before the break? You bet. It's all about the vertical areas that time of year. They want to be in deep water to stay warm and and just have that comfort of, you know, not getting ice on their head. So they want to be able to move up and feed and then move right back down real quickly without swimming a long way. So they typically here in most parts of the country, they're relating to more vertical banks, creek channel drops. And here we've got some dread holes. But I think you have one of two options here. If you're a coffee guy, you need to dial it back. Right. So instead of right. in the morning, you need to drink one or you need to wait until about 10 o'clock and go fishing because it requires <laughs> massive patience. Right? Like, That's great. You info. can't go there jacked up. You can't go there, you know, like you wanted to tear down the lake. I mean, you've got to go with the extreme amount of patience because you're not going to get a lot of bites. You know, you may on a good day, we, we may get five to 10 bites. But you got to realize you have the chance to catch a trophy, you know, a big, big fish this time of year. But uh, for me, it's all about patience. And seriously, man, I'm like, no coffee in the wintertime. I, I do this in the spring, too. Like, I cut coffee out because it just helps me slow down and be more, more methodical, more thorough. The key is getting into those key areas using your electronics to get around the food chain and just slowing down and figuring out what the fish are doing. And the other thing is a lot of times there's really just one or two feeding windows during the day. And you only know what those are if you get out there and fish. Sometimes it's first thing in the morning. Sometimes it's a mid-afternoon thing, maybe two, three, four o'clock. That's a nice little window this time of year where the fish feed, the water's at its warmest point, the, the sun's high, and, and it's the warmest part of the day. But there's usually just little feeding windows. You've got to be patient, understand what those are, and then make hay when it happens. Well, you know, you speak about slowing down and, you know, with that and because of the temperatures and just kind of that cabin fever that we all kind of get into, I guess. But kind of going to the opposite end of the spectrum with talking about preparation. Often in wintertime, you know, there, there's some maybe some traditional ways, I guess would be a good way to put it, to prep for the upcoming season. Whether you fish tournaments or just trying to stay engaged in the sport that we all love so much, what do you and joy that kind of helps you get your new season off on the right foot i guess you bet some of the work is really tedious right like getting the rusty hooks out counting how many sinkers you have all that kind of stuff you know i think one of the things that you guys will learn about me is i like to be a little different i don't like to be like everybody else i think the world's crazy so i don't want to be like the world i want to be different and figure out what's good and what works and and what we can do to, to be more productive but you know it's all these things that i think every angler probably does this pretty routine things 
things like cleaning up your boat, inventorying all your tackle, getting tackle orders ready for next year's schedule, organizing your, your tackle, that kind of stuff. I don't spend a whole lot of time on that, but I'll spend some time about two things that I do a little different when I'm preparing for the next season that I enjoy. And one of those is going through my things and understanding what I don't use. I've learned in the past 10 years that there are certain plastics that I love, and I use them everywhere I go, something like a Zoom speed call. And so I've learned to get rid of the other baits that I have that are like those, and I just focus on the speed crawl. So I kind of weed out the tackle. It helps keep things simple for me, and then I sell stuff. So if there's something that I'm not using anymore, I don't want it to just sit in my garage. My kids have a lot of toys, you know, and my wife's like, clean this thing up. So I sell stuff. Bass Boat Central has a great message board that allows fishermen to kind of trade things back and forth and find things that you like that nobody else wants because another man's trash is another man's treasure so i try to tell <laughs> i like I that a lot, I like I think a, right so i, I think <laughs> a lot of fishermen have hundreds or thousands of dollars worth of stuff sitting in their garage that they're never going to use and they don't think about it if you can seriously sit down and say am i really ever going to use this jerk bait because we don't fish for live or whatever the story is sell them you know get into somebody who can use them trade money for it and then purchase something that you will use next year. I think that's huge. So that's one thing that I'll try to do in the winter. And then the other thing is really to just stop and think, you know, think about why am I fishing? You know, why am I doing this? Why do I want to fish the BFLs next year? Why do I want to be in this club next year? Really just think about the purpose of why you got involved with fishing. Sometimes I think anglers lose sight of that, and then fishing becomes not fun, and it becomes more like work. And then at some point we burn out. And so I think it's important to stay tied into why do you do this? You know, and, and for me, this has been a process over the past couple of years, and it's kind of reconnecting with your purpose in fishing. I love the competition. I love finding out what my potential is, like pushing to see what I'm capable of. That's what I love about fishing. That's why I love fishing against guys like Kurt. You, you're trying to figure out how good you can become. So That's stopping right. and thinking, why am I doing this? And then kind of reflecting on the season, like how did last year turn out? Are you happy with that? What would you like to see different? And kind of redefine in your head what you're trying to accomplish in 2018, this next year. As the old saying goes, if you keep doing the same thing, you're going to keep getting the same results. If you're not getting the result you're wanting, you've got to figure out how to make some changes going into the next year. Sometimes we just think guys don't stop and think. They just do. And we talk about that a lot in my house. Every once in a while, we've got to stop. We've got to think, why are we doing this? What's the outcome? What are we trying to get to, and what do we need to change to get there? I love it. Love that stuff. Good stuff all around, man. This has been an awesome interview. I've had a great time. But we've got to roll into our O'Reilly Auto Parts, better parts, better prices every day, listener question segment. Today's question comes from Michael Brindle. Okay, Michael asks, and maybe you've got a few of these up there, Todd, I'm not sure, but with winter approaching, can you talk about strategies of fishing warm water discharge lakes? You bet. We've got a couple of just a few hours from my house over the state lines, and, and I certainly visited those over the years. In fact, I think the last time I went to one of those was with Jacob Wheeler. But listen, these warm water discharges are a little bit plugged in when your lakes freeze over. And so I try to fish as long as I can through December here in Indianapolis. And then when the water freezes over, you don't have any options unless you want to climb on the ice. But that doesn't help me for tournament fishing. So we've got a few lakes that we can travel to that are warm water discharge lakes. And the ones that I'm familiar with, 
typically spit out 75 to 80 degree water. And so here's the cool thing about a discharge lake. You can go to that lake and work on techniques that are not winter related. Uh, I've been to these lakes before and seen fish spawning in early February in the snow. So you can work on sight fishing or you can work on a wacky rig. You can work on spring and fall type techniques on these warm water discharge lakes in the middle of the winter. Got to dress for it. Got to pick some of the right days. But the key for me always on these warm water discharge lakes is finding that little section of the lake where the fish want to be. Sometimes you know, it's really cold. They'll kind of move towards the discharge and then other times they want to be, you know, a half mile or a mile away from it and that's 70 degree water but you just kind of keep bouncing around and figure out which part of the lake that the more active fish are in and you can focus typically focus on that part of the lake you can get a lot of bites i mean they're a great little substitute in the winter to keep fishing and keep it still sharp now that's a great answer todd and michael thanks for sending in that question to bass edge radio but before you get out of here there's one more thing michael that we're going to need you to do either shoot us an email and let us know that you heard your question answered along with your mailing address or log on to BassEdge.com. Click that Claim Your Prize segment and put your email address and we will get that O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card sent out to you right away. And as always, a reminder to Bass Edge listeners, keep sending in those questions to show via our website, BassEdge.com to have a shot at winning that O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card. You may also email us, support at BassEdge.com or as Michael did, leave us a comment on our Facebook or Twitter media pages and have your question answered right here on the show. Well, Todd, as we uh, kind of wind things down here, I want to certainly thank you for being with us here on Bass Edge Radio. Any final thoughts as we close down? Well, you know, one of the things Kurt and I talked about last night was this misconception of, of bass fishing and becoming a pro and, and fishing at the tour level. I think a lot of people think it's the dream job, but, you know, as I've realized over doing this six, seven years, it hey, it's work. And here's the best advice I can give to all you bass edge crazies out there. I don't care if you want to be a pro bass fisherman or the best in your trade or the best salesman in your organization. The best of the best have the best work ethic. You've got to put in the work. There's no shortcut. You can't get waypoints. You can't get sales techniques that are going to be magical. You've got to put in the work. You've got to be committed You've got to be obsessed. You've got to get after it. And that's my advice to everybody who's out there who wants to be good at whatever they're doing. And, and right, you know, we're talking about fishing, but you've got to put in the time. You've got to put in the work. There's no substitute for that. That's how Brian Thrift gets to the top. That's how Jacob Wheeler gets to the top. That's how Van Dam gets to the top. These guys are work animals. And I think sometimes in our society, we lose track of that. We want things to be easy. We want the iPhone to do it for us. And I'm telling you, it's hard work. If you want it, it's out there. Go get it. Put in the time. Put in the effort. And surround yourself with people that will help you do that. Bam. I love it. That was great, dude. Todd, I super appreciate you being on the show. We're going to have to send you off with our little segment, Four Last Questions for you. Y'all ready? Awesome. All right, dude. What was your first thought when you woke up this morning? Where's the coffee? <laughs> Who is your favorite fishing partner? My brother, Troy Hollowell, since we, he was six years old, no doubt about it. What is your favorite thing to watch on TV? Indiana basketball. Indiana, I like that. If you were a brand, what would be your motto? Just do you. Solid, dude. Thanks, Todd. Bass Edge Radio will return after this message. 
patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment. The PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. You know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. Keel Guard keel protectors. Fun interview with Todd. Uh, I got to give a re-shout out to Todd, man. I appreciate those kind words he said. You know, we've crossed paths several times throughout the tour, and, you know, he is always upbeat. I think we saw it through the interview, very upbeat, and I think analytical. You know, really dove into some things, you know, that mental side a little bit and and even technique-wise. So I love his answers to the questions that we were able to give him today, and I think every Bass Edge listener got a little something out of that interview. No doubt, and as you know, uh, you know, the mental side. I love that. I love diving off into it. Perhaps it's because I'm a head case, but you know, a couple of the things that I wrote down that he commented on is asking yourself part of that self-reflection. Why am I fishing? Stop and think, you know, if you want it, it's out there. So those takeaways are well beyond just the, you know, do this to your baits or technique specific. It really dove off into using the off season to kind of re-engage of why you're participating in this sport and, and getting back to that passion, which is ultimately, I think, going to help put more fish in the boat. Yeah, more fish in the boat, more success, whether it's competition or not. When we launch the boat and we go fishing, we want to jack some jaws. I mean, we want to put some fish in the boat. And part of that is being in tune, feeling confident and ready to go. Another thing that Todd kind of reviewed a little bit is is the passion that it takes to be successful. And I think that's at anything, you know, and, and he talked about Wheeler, um, obviously himself, in my opinion, you know, that's what's making Todd successful. Um, he talked about Thrift and Van Dam and kind of mentioned a couple names there. And those guys have an obsessive passion for the game and they're working hard at it every day. It's not something that really leaves their minds. So work as hard as you can when you have the time. I know that for everybody, it's not, you know, you just can't dive in face first. I, I get that. But um, when you can dive in, think analytically, make some good decisions, enjoy the process. It's all just for fun. So uh, it's been a great interview and a lot of fun today, man. I'm looking forward to uh, getting ready for this Christmas shopping. Oh, my God. I got stuff to do, and it's so str- – no, it's not stressful. I'm looking forward to the holidays, man. <laughs> it's a couple weeks here, and uh, Christmas is going to be around the corner, and uh, we've got a lot of things to prepare and things to do before that comes to fruition. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you speak of the passion and, and the obsession and of that. We certainly know, Kurt and I know, all of us here at Bass Edge, really, for that matter, know that uh, we really enjoy all of our listeners sharing that passion and that obsession of this bass fishing with us. And certainly you guys have a lot of choices and uh, we really appreciate you choosing to do that with us. But keep in mind, too, the only way that this is possible is through our supporting partners. So when doing that Christmas shopping and gift 
gift giving that uh, Kurt speaks of, be sure to keep all of our partners in mind. That way that helps us continue to spread the message and let them know, hey, you appreciate their support at Bass Edge just as much as we appreciate you listening. For Kurt Dove, I am Aaron Martin and the rest of the Bass Edge crew. So long, everybody. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. is presented by MegaWare KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com and be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lowrance Electronics, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.